everybody. I am Art Stevens, managing partner of the Stevens Group. I'd like to welcome you to another in the podcast series of PR Masters. This series features luminaries and legends in the world of public relations. Our guest today is Jim Joseph. Marketing is a spectator sport, and Jim Joseph is one of the industry's most engaging, enthralling, and entertaining commentators. As the global president for BCW, which, as you know, is Burson Cone Wolf, um, Jim has additional oversight of the agencies, and let me know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, or should I just say the letters, uh, LATAM, uh, L-A-T-A-M, network. Uh, Jim can correct me in a few moments. Jim constantly puts his experience to the test. Jim's list of brand experience spans virtually every industry and is a who's who list of the most impressive brands on the planet, including Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Walmart, American Express, Microsoft, Hyatt, and McDonald's. Jim is also an award-winning author of the Experience Effects series, which I will ask him about during our series coming up, and an adjunct professor, uh, instructor, I should say, at New York University, where he teaches a graduate class in integrated marketing. Entrepreneur of the Year, Agency of the Year, Consumer Launch Campaign of the Year, Most Creative Agency, Best Place to Work, Social Media Icon, Hall of Fame. These are the accolades that Jim has amassed through his long career in marketing. But none are more important, Jim tells me, than the daily badge he wears with the most pride, Dad. Jim, welcome to the PR Masters podcast series. How are you today? I'm great, Art. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Great. So, uh, Jim, you've had a very, very uh, interesting career. Uh, obviously, you have moved up the ladder, and it's, uh, it's a ladder that you have climbed repeatedly over your career. And uh, you, you have actually spanned both marketing and public relations. And I, I guess my first question to you, Jim, this morning is, can you describe the steps that took place for you to become global president of BCW? Sure. I started my career out on the client side, actually, in very classic, traditional brand management at Johnson & Johnson Consumer Products. And I did that because I, I knew that I loved brands, and I knew that I loved marketing, and I wanted to learn it in its most classic sense. So I worked on Reach Toothbrush. I worked in skincare. I actually moved over to the Arm & Hammer company and worked on Arm & Hammer baking soda. I mean, I learned classic brand management. And as I progressed through my career on the client side, I started noticing, actually, that the, the agencies were doing more of the work that I wanted to do, <laughs> more strategy, more creative, more coming up with campaigns. So I actually switched over to the agency side and have, have run a, several different kinds of agencies, several different disciplines, advertising, consumer promotion, digital, CRM, public relations. You know, for me, they're, they're all the same because they're all in service to a brand, and, and actually in service to a customer or a consumer. So the disciplines really, really all converge. There's not that much difference between them, really. They execute differently, for sure. But in terms of brand strategy and creativity and making connections with constituents, they're kind of all the same. So I see it as one brand, one brand voice, one, one campaign, and various disciplines that then execute against that. So it was very natural for me 
in my mind, to start on brand side and then evolve through the many disciplines and, and end, up, end up ultimately in public relations. You actually have taken a different route than uh, most uh, uh, people who have attained the success that you have in uh, getting into public relations. You know, many in the past, a lot of people started out as journalists and, uh, and, uh, and a lot of uh, uh, PR professionals started out directly in the public relations arena. So you, you, you combine, obviously, as you're saying, the, the skills of both marketing and public relations. Um, did you reach out to the public relations field, given your marketing background? You could have gone into advertising. You could have gone into other disciplines, sales promotion, what, what have you. How did it come about that the public relations became one of your stops along the way? Interesting. It kind of just evolved. I wouldn't say it was purposeful. I would say that it was just sort of a natural evolution of developing a career, developing experiences, building a network of, of people that I knew. And I sort of naturally got enticed into into public relations. And when I first came over to this discipline, if that's the way to, to frame it, it was at a time when we were starting to see erosion in some of the more traditional marketing techniques, sort of the one-way communications of, of advertising, for example. We were starting to see the immersion of two-way dialogue, which is what we called it back then, starting to see the immersion of what social media could be doing. And I started feeling like it was the public relations agencies that were perhaps best suited to really kind of leverage that and, and exploit it, if you will, for, for the good of a brand. And the ability for the public relations discipline to tap into pop culture and to follow and draft out a news cycle and to turn around content quickly and to create multiple way dialogue through social media. I sort of saw the PR discipline as being a little bit more adept at that, having grown up, the industry growing up in the news cycles and in journalism and in storytelling and in, in quick storytelling. So I got very intrigued by that as I saw the overall industry evolving that way and, and hopped in and literally just love at first sight. I, I love the speed. I love the connection to pop culture. I love the integration with corporate communications and internal communications, and in some cases, public policy, and in some cases, issues in crisis management, like that entire spectrum of what we do. I love how it can be all integrated, and it all becomes literally one, one company, one corporation, one brand, and thought that was just really fascinating. So given the fact that you obviously are, are a strong proponent of uh, integrated communications, integrated marketing, uh, how do you compare where the, the role of advertising is today compared with the role of public relations? Well, the truth is all the disciplines are evolving, and lots of people talk about this. I'm certainly not the only one that a lot of the agencies are all coming to the same point, and that is having fully integrated campaigns that connect with consumers in multiple ways through multiple touch points, multiple dimensions, but done in a very cohesive manner. So I think in a lot of ways we're all gravitating to the same spot, and we're coming at it from – a little bit different backgrounds and different skill sets, skill sets in storytelling, in news making, news drafting versus perhaps higher end production. But we're really kind of all doing the same kind of work. We kind of have our specialty areas, we have our areas of focus, uh, but we're all gravitating towards the same spot. And I, I wouldn't be 
at all surprised if in five years most big brands, big brands, small brands, have one kind of agency, an agency that does their work for them with, with perhaps specialty mm-hmm. groups that focus in certain areas. But I think we're all gravitating towards the same place. The different for, difference for PR, I believe, though, is we, we do have a very unique mindset around earned media and the notion that we have to earn our attention, not just pay for it, and that we have to be newsworthy and shareable and meaningful in order for people to pay attention. We start at that point, which is a slightly different starting point as opposed to perhaps pure storytelling, pure entertainment value, pure, pure creativity. We do that with a lens towards, but are people going to notice? Are they going to share it? Are they going to make it news? That's where we uniquely come in as PR folks. So that brings me to uh, Burson Cone and Wolf, uh, obviously a, uh, a uh, juggernaut in the world of uh, public relations agencies, uh, each on its own. Burson and Cone and Wolf were obviously formidable agencies. Tell us, tell us about the reasons why uh, the merger took place and uh, what, what, what role you feel that it now plays in the uh, legion of uh, PR agencies worldwide. Sure. You know, it's interesting because when you take a look at most mergers in, in any industry, not just even agency business, but mergers in general, they're often done to fix a problem or to save money or to find efficiencies or to you know, expand vertically. Um, they're often in, in the mode of trying to fix something. And for us, the merger of Burson Marsteller and Conan Wolf was, was not about that at all. It literally was about bringing complementary services together under one umbrella so that we can provide the full suite of services that a public relations agency or a communications agency, marketing communications agency, can in fact supply. And if you look at the two legacy agencies, you know, very complementary strengths. You know, Burson, you know, deeply, deeply rooted. I mean, best on the planet in terms of issues management, crisis, public policy, public affairs, corporate communications. I mean, the go-to folks when you need that kind of work. And the other side of the, the coin, Conan Wolf, much more brand communications, healthcare communications, creative, digital, kind of leading edge in, in that regard from a brand perspective. And when we needed the other folks' work, we often partnered together even before the merger, or we would utilize each other's expertise. So bringing the two organizations together really made complete sense. You know, it wasn't about efficiency, cost savings, fixing anything. It was literally about being a bigger, more, more powerful suite of services so that we literally could do end-to-end anywhere in, in the world. And the scale that that brings to be able to deploy resources and to be able to help companies and brands through all of their needs from a communication standpoint has really turned out to be a, a powerful, powerful um, offering. And we're seeing synergy across the board with clients from both legacy agencies where we're able to cross-provide services that neither one could do before. So it's been been a really, really powerful uh, act, sort of activity getting that all to come together uh, in a merger process and seeing it sort of bear out with our clients and with our teams. It's been been lots of activity, lots of action, and, and lots of rewards as well. And you love it all, don't you? <laughs> love it all. Love it all. 
So, Jim, um, I don't know if a lot of our listeners uh, realize that this is actually your second go around uh, with at least a part of, well, obviously it's a merged operation, but you had previously been uh, uh, at the top of the uh, ladder at uh, Conan Wolf, and then you left there to go somewhere else. Uh, why did you leave initially, and, and what enticed you to return? I mean, the, the uh, expression is, you know, can, you, you can't go home again, but you did. I did. I certainly did. I certainly did. And and I'm very happy that I did. When I first left Conan Wolf, I wasn't leaving for any reason other than I saw a great opportunity to go have a new adventure. And it was an extremely amicable um, transition out, uh, remained friends with, you know, all of the folks that I had been working with. It was literally just a, a, a great opportunity to go be the CEO of, a, of another organization. And honestly, I think everybody was happy for me that not necessarily happy to see me go, but happy for me. But the truth is, had I known that this merger was going to happen, I wouldn't have left because the opportunity to work on sort of a challenge of this scale of bringing organizations together in a, in a way that makes complete and total sense for the marketplace and all the idiosyncrasies of the operations of that and the marketing of that and the branding and the positioning and the, you know, the internal communications and building a new culture. I mean, that's, a, that's an opportunity that rarely comes along and I never would have left had I known that was going to happen. So when, when I got the call to come back, I, I thought hard about it because I had just started something new, uh, but had not been away that long and decided that you know, I, I took a bit of a sabbatical and I'm just going to just going to go back home. So it worked out. Uh, it worked out well, um, worked, yeah. worked out well. What is your what is your role and what are your responsibilities as global president? Obviously, the word global as part of your title indicates that it, it, it it's not just domestic, of course, but that you uh, play a key role in BCW's uh, initiatives overseas. Can you tell us about that? Sure. I've been very instrumental in, in the whole merger process, uh, sort of driving not the entire thing because there's so many moving parts, but key elements of the actual physical merger uh, operationally around around the world and have been, been very much driving the, the new branding and the new positioning and messaging around BCW and all the marketing elements that come with that. And then I have particular responsibility for Latin America. LATAM, as as you were mentioning, as you were reading through my my background, um, I'm responsible directly for the Latin America market. It's a big growth market for us. I have a lot of experience in that market, so that's something that I'm directly responsible for. And then I have a number of key client responsibilities that I still am very active in. I love doing client work. I very much believe that we should always have our our hands held with clients and, you know, in the mix of doing the work, because that's what keeps us, keeps us current and, and allows me to help advise other folks that are managing their clients. And then I do a lot of business development work as well. What are, what are some of the growth opportunities globally that you see? Is it in regions? Is it in uh, disciplines and niches? Um, what, what's taking place globally? 
There's a there's a lot <laughs> a, a lot of uh, activity globally, as as everybody knows. That so many industries are in transformation, so many agency disciplines are in the process of evolution. Uh, we see so many clients trying to figure out what's next for them, uh, become more technology oriented, open up into new new markets geographically, open up into new new markets from a a, a product or service perspective. I, I think it's probably the most active time I've ever seen in business around the world ever. And we probably always say that, but I think it's because it just keeps ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. So for me and for, for us, the, the biggest opportunities around the world are helping these clients transform their businesses and and help these clients become what they want to be in order to have their future viability still intact and embracing technology and what that means for their business and embracing the new generations of customers that are coming up that have different needs and want different things than the generations before them and transforming what they do and what they offer uh, to continue to stay relevant, at least stay relevant, if not stay ahead of the curve. That's really where a lot of the growth opportunities are for us are in, in transformation and in an expansion and in, in understanding new markets. It, it's quite, it's my, favorite work, quite honestly, and, and it's work that we're particularly good at. How many employees does uh, uh, BCW have worldwide? 4,000 worldwide. Wow. So how do you manage all that? <laughs> <laughs> very, very carefully. Uh, we, we have a, a, a very solid uh, leadership team globally that, that helps to manage all that, and then we have regional regional leaders, as well as leaders by market. So it's, it's a bit of a cascade effect, if you will, that the, the management and leadership of, of 4,000 employees doesn't rest on one person or even just a couple people. It's very carefully thought through of how um, those folks are led and managed you know, on, a, on a very kind of almost micro level so that they're getting the, the leadership, the mentoring, the coaching, the resources they need to manage their clients in their in their small markets, large markets, and across regions. So the, the responsibility for that rests on quite a few of us uh, that are all very well interconnected and, and know each other well and, and help each other out. It, it's it's quite, quite a great network. So I'm going to digress for one moment. Uh, you've had the opportunity, obviously, as, as, as being part of uh, Burson and now BCW, to interact with one of the true legends, you know, in our industry, uh, Harold Burson. Um, can you give us some personal touches about uh, your relationship with Harold and how you see him uh, and his role uh, in your life and, and, of course, within the company? Sure. I mean, Harold is, it, there's only one Harold, obviously. And what's amazing is I've spent a lot more time with him in the last year than I had before, although we, we clearly had, had known each other and done some things together, but not as much as we have in the last year. And I, I've been in new business meetings with him. I've been in client meetings with him. I've been at events with him. And everywhere he goes, I, I don't think there's a more more beloved man on the planet and definitely in our industry than than Harold. I mean, he just has legions of fans who who look to him as the person that inspired them in their career, either to join or to or to continue or to you know keep carrying on in the industry. It's it's so inspiring to see how people react to him and vice versa, and how he reacts to to others as well. And I 
spent a lot of time with him in the in the last year going through merger things but also he's still very much involved in in client consultation and very much involved in in new business and uh probably one of my one of my favorite stories one of the first new business meetings i did with him post merger it was a a burson alumni a burson person as we say who was now on client side and had reached out to Harold to see if if they could come in and talk about their needs. And Harold called me immediately and said, you know, could you join me? Because I think that you would really hit it off with this person. And I think you have a good understanding of, of the industry with a different point of view. So I brought a couple people with me and we uh, we had a great a great meeting, very sort of informal because because the the prospective client knew Harold already. So it was a, a little bit social, a little bit business, but then we, we got down to it pretty pretty quickly. And and after the meeting, which went went really well and the client left and I came back after escorting the client out and 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 said, Harold, I think that went really well. And he looked right at me and in the most sincerest of of looks on his face and said, You and I make a really good team. And oh, well. It's like the quote of the century for me, you know, that that Harold would say that to me was just so, so amazing. So total highlight. But that's who that's who he is. You know, he we had a great meeting with a client. He's all about the client. But but what was important to him is to make the personal connection with you know his teammates, which is how he thinks about things. Well, he's he is an icon. There's no question about that. Um, that's, that's a great story. Um, what what do you feel distinguishes BCW from your closest competitors? You know, now that you've done the merger, uh, obviously you're quite a bit larger. Um, you, you've had to do some degree of integration between, you know, the two firms, which I'm sure is not an easy thing to do given the size of each. But uh, but now that you've put it together, and, and I'm, I, I, I presume there's more to do, I'm, I'm sure. But, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. But now that you're on the road to having to putting it together, what do you think distinguishes BCW from, let's say, your closest competitors? Well, for sure, our ability to do the entire spectrum of communications from end to end at scale anywhere around the world certainly distinguishes us. And not that every single client needs that, although there are a lot that do. Uh, so, so that's great, but not every single client needs that entire suite, and, and especially everywhere around the world, but we can deliver that everywhere around the world. So whatever a client needs in whatever market we're operating in or they're operating in, we're able to give them whatever collection of, of that suite they need at scale. And we have the ability to pull in resources from around the world to even make it better. And, and we do that better than, than anybody else. But probably even more importantly than that is where we are pushing the industry. You know, we believe, and there are others that are doing it too, but we believe that we are pushing the industry towards a much more integrated approach to communications, uh, a much more integrated approach to the end-to-end offering so that everything is coming through with kind of one voice and one mission all integrated together using technology to its best advantage along that along that way and and helping businesses transform that I think we excel at that better than all of our respected competitors and there's a lot of people doing really good work out there well Jim you sold me where do I sign (laughs) (laughs) yeah well, Jim, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a, a selfish question. As you know, um, you know, as managing partner of the Stevens Group, you know, my firm is engaged in facilitating mergers and acquisitions. Um, 
Do you see any growth coming from outside acquisitions uh, during, you know, during the next few years? Uh, obviously, you have a lot of uh, organic growth uh, in, uh, in the various disciplines and, and geographies you're located in, but um, a lot of firms your size obviously do go the acquisition route, and, and I'm, I'm sure you have in the past. Uh, what's your view on that? Yeah, I think acquisitions are always going to be a, a, a part of growth strategy for sure. And I think the industry kind of goes through ebbs and flows, if you will, of when when there's a lot of acquisition ac activity to accomplish that versus times when there's not. Um, I think right now, and I'll speak from BCW perspective, we, we, ha we have a lot on the table already, even just with what we have. So we're, we're not seeing that we have a lot of gaps where we need an acquisition per se in order to drive our growth. Our growth opportunities are coming from offering our clients that, that full suite of, of offerings that perhaps as legacy agencies, neither, neither one was able to do before. That's really where our growth is coming from for sure. And, and being able to be that complete advisor to a client from end to end where we weren't able to before. And even when there are new business opportunities that come along, being able to offer that right from the get-go uh, with no, you know, no gap in, in service is, is a huge area of growth for us. So we have, we have plenty, plenty on our plate at the at the moment, but obviously we're always looking at acquisitions as as a way to to expand and improve and and you know add into our capabilities, whether it's market based, capability based, industry based, um, whatever might be the the focus. Great, you know, Jim, you've received a lot of honors during your career, and you know, and you've got a long way to go in terms of your full career, but. Uh, Given the honors that you've uh, received, uh, as described in, in the bio I uh, recited a little while ago, which do, you, which do you cherish the most? What do you consider your, your greatest achievements to be? By far, the best award to get is best place to work. That, that, that's the one that, that we cherish the most. And the, the first time I got it a few years ago was probably the best because I had never gotten one before as a leader of the organization, feeling responsible for producing a place that is a best place to work and creating a culture that people thrive in and that they want to come to work with every day. And they, they want their friends to come join them and clients want to be a part of that is the best award by far. It's great to get individual campaign awards because you feel like you really contributed something meaningful. It's great to get agency of the year and most creative agency. Those are incredible but when when you're part of the leadership team that has created a best place to work there's nothing better than nothing better than that well said well said um obviously uh you know those honors are probably uh more meaningful you know to uh, uh agencies than than a lot of others uh, you've been around public relations now for for a number of years how has it changed changed a lot. Maybe maybe not as much in my tenure, although I've seen a lot of change in, in public relations, but for those who started out their careers and have been in public relations their entire time, tremendous, tremendous change. And I think we can probably pin a lot of that pivot of where it really started to change rapidly on, on social media. Because when social media started to become a, another tool to you know, promote and market 
products and services and use as platforms for communication. That's when we really started to see public relations as a craft change, because suddenly we had a way to literally go directly to our constituents, whether it's consumers or, or, or other. And we suddenly had a way to create other kinds of content rather than just written content, which we were, we were always very good at as an industry, and other ways to tell stories. And then social media became fully ingrained in pop culture, and social media led to other digital channels, and I believe was the catalyst for really changing our perspective on how we can communicate to those we need to influence and how we can use influencers to influence those we need to influence. Again, whether it's a consumer or um, a corporate constituent or a policymaker or, or, or any kind of constituent, I, I think that has brought about you know tremendous change to our industry. And I think it's also forced us to be more and more and more creative in how we tell those stories, which then has forced us to be more strategic about it and more insightful. And then that led to needing more data and data analytics. So it's created this sort of, you know, cascade, uh, another cascade of, you know, what we need to do to stay current and stay relevant and continue to help our clients, which has which has transformed our, our industry for sure. I want to ask you about the uh, the holding company concept. Uh, um, obviously, uh, you know, you're part of a holding company, and uh, um, the, uh, uh, the PR agencies within holding companies have gotten awfully big and awfully powerful, and uh, obviously uh, they had, when they were independent, they were among the best in the world, and they remain so. Uh, what What... What effect has the holding company had on the growth of the of the public relations agencies in general? And do you do you think that the holding company model is still working? Holding company model is absolutely still working for for sure. It's evolving and changing just like everything else in our in our industry. You know, when I first joined a, a holding company gosh, I don't even want to say how many years ago, it was a very, very different uh, dynamic than, than it is now. And in fact, you know, our, our interaction with, with our holding company is, uh, I'll, I'll use that word again, it is much more dynamic now than it probably ever used to be in terms of how we collaborate and work together with the other agencies on, on current clients, on prospective clients, even on, on issues that we all face as agencies, because even across the disciplines, we face many of the same, same, same issues that the other disciplines face in terms of, you know, talent um, acquisition and talent retention and, and how we get the best, you know, the best work environment and what tools do we use. I mean, there's so much sharing and collaboration that help all of us out. And I think we've gotten better and better and better at, at doing that and collaborating together, which, is, which has been a great evolution, but also a, a great thing to have as an agency, not having to do all of that alone, you know, to be completely independent and, and out on your own and having to think through all of that all the time would be, would add a whole nother level of burden to leadership. And, it, and it's nice to have folks to collaborate with and resources to tap into and best practices to, to leverage. That, that part has been, been amazing. And I think from my perspective and my holding company, that's become much, much more rich, actually, as the years have gone by, as we've all sort of collectively figured out what do we need to do to help each other and what is adding value and what's not adding value. It's been a good process. Jim, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about yourself. Um, what do you consider your working style to be, and has, has it changed over the years, you know, uh, as your career has evolved, uh, now heading up a, a global organization with 4,000 employees throughout the world? Um, what's your working style? 
it's definitely changed through the years and probably just from a from a mechanical perspective you know back back in the day i had to do the work and i had to i had to crack the code and figure it out and you know and 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 get it done and then over the years as you take on more and more leadership roles you have to change your mindset to okay i'm i'm no longer the person that has to do the work but i have to you know contribute to it and then and then as you evolve i have to make sure it's good and be sort of a a quality assurance person and then and then it continues to evolve to no i just have to make sure that the teams that that i'm building have the ability to do the work and they have the resources they need and i can jump in and help them when when i need to so that part has definitely evolved through through the years as as i've taken on roles and and it's important and i've i've always made sort of a conscious effort to be very mindful of that like what is my role in this moment with this team am i advisor am i a contributor am i a leader or am i just making sure that the environment is right for them to do great work and it it took me a while. I mean, it, it took me a while to let go because I love the work. And and when you love the work, you sort of feel like you don't want to let it go. And, and it, if you want it to be good, you need to be in it. And it takes a while to let go and say, you know what? Other people probably are doing it better than I will. So let them let them do it. That takes a while to get to get to that point. So it it's definitely changed through the years with, without a doubt. Uh, the one thing that probably hasn't changed, though, is I – I am a worker and I like the work. So even now in a leadership role, I, you know, the proverbial roll up my sleeves. I mean, I'm in it, you know, I, I'm, I'm in it. I, I love to, I love to be a part of it. And I try very consciously try to let other people own it and lead it because that's what they want to be doing. And that's their own path. But I'm still, I'm still in the trenches. I'm, I'm not the kind of person who sort of just looks at the, you know, 30,000 point of view. I try to stay objective. I try to, to look at the broader picture, but I like being, I still like being in the work for sure. Jim, all of us have had uh, a few uh, mentors in our lives, you know, people who have really helped set us in the right direction, who have sort of led us to the mountain to teach us uh, how to, how to live, how to work, uh, how to, uh, work with others. Um, who have been some of your great mentors in your life, and what have they done for you? I think I was very, very lucky that my first job was at Johnson and Johnson in marketing. You know, J and J was a, a training company, and it was a great place to start your career because because you immediately, I immediately got surrounded by people who cared that I was learning and cared about my experience and and were were sort of hardwired to to facilitate and train. So I I learned how to do marketing from from them. And even though I had gone to college and I had gotten an MBA and and in theory had learned about marketing, when I started out at J&J, I didn't know anything about marketing. I mean, I knew book stuff, but and I knew I knew theories and I knew points of view, but I didn't I didn't know how to market. I learned how to market at J&J and I learned the classic way and I was surrounded and protected and allowed to make mistakes and and allowed to write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite plans, and that was just part of the part of the process. I'm so fortunate that I had that at the time. I'm not sure that that happens everywhere anymore, which is also why I really enjoy teaching and writing because I feel like that's my way of giving back and and hopefully helping people 
hone their craft and how they think about brands and how they think about marketing communications. Uh, but a, a lot of my mentors were from those early days at J and J, and then and then along the way, I've worked with a lot of people, including Donna Imperato, who I work with now, who have just sort of like opened up new windows and, and opened up new ways of thinking and new new experiences that I'd never had before who who serve as mentors in that way. I've been very fortunate through the years that I've I've had a number of those kinds of folks that have just like offered new experiences. Uh, which, which is great, which, again, is what I try to do as well. I think that, you know, you asked earlier about my leadership style. I think that's also part of my own evolution is learning how to give back along the way now that I've been around for a while. So g- given the, uh, you know, the uh, deep involvement you have uh, with your day job, how do you, how do you com- uh, uh, work on, on the quality of your life, you know, uh, in, in terms of other things you do? I see you're also uh, um, a uh, an instructor, an adjunct instructor at New York University. You're an author of the Experience Effect series, which means you obviously make uh, and allow yourself to get into uh, other activities. And of course, you're a dad as well, which is one of your great uh, prides in uh, in life. How do you combine work and play, and uh, and the quality of your life? Never easy. That that's never easy. That's for sure. Although it, it's funny because my kids are now adults and they're in their own careers. And <laughs> it's still, I, it's been a while now, actually, that they've been out of, out of the house and they're out of college and they're working. And I still on the weekends wake up and like, don't know what I'm going to do all day because I don't have to run them around and go do this and go do that. And I, I still carry a little bit of guilt for not you know, being in, in dad mode every, every weekend. So I have a lot more time now than I, than I probably ever did. Uh, but the, the writing and the teaching for me is, is a creative outlet and it's a way for me to continually learn and observe what's going on in the marketplace and, and keep my own skills sort of honed as it relates to what's going on in pop culture, what's going on with brands, with consumers, how are other brands interacting? So I, I, spend a lot of my free time doing that, which, cause it's just a creative outlet. Uh, but I'm also a big foodie, uh, a, a big culture person. So I like to travel and, and see new things. And we, we spend a lot of time, a lot of time doing that. I mean, work is definitely, definitely a huge portion of that, but I've, I've learned through the years, you know, I don't know that anyone ever gets the right balance and certainly never the perfect balance. And I think we learn to experience, except that things are off balance a lot, but I always figure out a way to rebalance it somehow through a great meal, a day off, uh, an escape, or, you know, sitting down and writing something and that I, that I uniquely and solely write and get a sort of get, get pleasure out of that. So Jim, I've got uh, one last question and I, I obviously thank you for, you know, for your, your candor and, uh, and uh, and frankly, you're being with us uh, uh, today on this uh, podcast. But um, how would you like to be remembered? You've got a long way to go. I realize that. Uh, but you know, given what you do, and uh, you know what you are initiating, and the uh, responsibilities you have, and your role in the industry, how would you like to be remembered? That's a hard one. That's a hard one. I think, though, that. Yeah, you know, through the years, lots of people have said to me, and and all of us have experienced this. Like, 
the one word that constantly gets brought up when people refer to me is they'll say, wow, he's really creative. And, and, and I do consider myself to be very creative. And, and I think that creativity is at the, at the root of all that we do, whether you have a creative word in your title or not. It's not about being a creative. It's about being creative. And, and I very much consider myself to be creative. But as the years have gone by, I, I don't know that I necessarily would want that tag hung on me because for me, that's almost a given in this, in this industry. I think the, what I would want to be remembered for, and, and if I ever hear ref, people refer to me this way, is, wow, when I worked with Jim, I learned something or I got better at what I was doing. That's what I would love to be remembered for. That would be cool. Great, great, Jim. Well, well put, well put. And so on that note, Jim, uh, on behalf of our listeners, I really thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And sharing your views with us. And I'd like to thank you all for tuning into another of the Stevens Group PR Masters podcast series. So until next time, I am Art Stevens, wishing you all the very, very best.